SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, is here. No effective drug treatments are yet available. So the more we can understand about how to adapt to the virus's presence, the easier we'll find it to cope with the new reality in which we find ourselves. In this video, we're going to look at a six-step plan that will help you understand what happens when the virus enters our bodies and the various ways our immune system can respond. The video also looks at some of the key things we can do to try to ensure our immune system is primed in the event of exposure to the virus. Step one, avoidance. The best thing we can all do for both ourselves and others is to avoid exposure to the virus or people who might be infected, often unknowingly. That means heeding all government guidelines on social distancing to the letter. You should also make sure you're up to date with current guidance, which can change daily. Common ways of being exposed to the virus involve either inhaling airborne droplets from an infected person's cough or sneeze, or touching an object or surface that an infected person has also touched. Particularly problematic sources of infection are door handles, banisters, furniture, and other hard surfaces, especially in public places. On these hard surfaces, the virus can remain viable for days, hence the importance of 20-second hand washing, high-temperature clothes washing, and disinfection of surfaces that could have been exposed to the virus. Your hands can easily carry the virus to the mucous membranes of your eyes, nose, and mouth, which is why it's so important not to touch your face. Let's remember, sanitation has always been by far the most effective method we've ever used to control infectious diseases. It's no difference with this new coronavirus. Step two, preparation. There are so many things we can do to be more prepared. Some of it involves making sure we have the right provisions in our homes if we're in lockdown. That includes access to fresh whole foods that are important sources of nutrients for your immune system. But it also means focusing on all the other things that we know help you mount an effective immune response. That includes getting plenty of good quality sleep, making sure you get daily exercise and try to transform or reduce any stress you might be under given the enforced changes to our lives brought on by the pandemic. Also a range of vitamins and minerals, plant extracts, essential fatty acids and other concentrated sources of nutrients that have been shown to help support a healthy immune system. It can therefore be helpful to supplement your diet with some of these additional nutrients so that your immune system has all the resources it needs and is properly primed. Seek advice from a healthcare professional if needed, especially if you're considered vulnerable to the coronavirus. Step three, when the virus enters the body. When a coronavirus particle lands on one of the damp mucosal surfaces in your nose, mouth, or airway, it's now familiar spike proteins that surround the outer shell of each virus particle rapidly tell the virus if it's close to susceptible cells. These are particularly the epithelial cells that line our airways and respiratory tract right next to the mucus layer. The SARS-CoV-2 uses ACE2 binding sites in the epithelial cells of the alveoli, the tiny sacs deep in the lungs where most of the oxygen and carbon dioxide exchange occurs. The higher the level of ACE2 expression, 
the easier the virus finds it to get a foothold. This is one reason why people with heart disease, diabetes or metabolic syndrome are more at risk from serious symptoms. It's also one of the reasons why kids are generally less susceptible because their ACE2 expression is lower than adults, so it's tougher for the virus to attach to binding sites and get into the cells. Once inside the human cell, the virus particle hijacks the host cell's RNA replication machinery, allowing newly created virus particles to be expelled in huge numbers. This can lead to a rapid increase in viral load. If the immune system can't get on top of the infection, the virus goes on to infect the cells of the lower respiratory tract and the lung tissue. Step 4. Body launches first response unit. This hijacking of the human host's cellular machinery by the virus doesn't go unnoticed. If the virus has made it past the physical and biochemical barriers of the damp mucous membranes of our nose, mouth or airways, the next line of defense to invading viruses comes from a group of relatively unspecialized white blood cells. Along with the external barriers and biochemicals in our tears, sweat and saliva, they form what's referred to as the innate immune system. You can think of this as the first response unit. It's the system we're born with that's up and running, ready to fight off infections from the day we come into this world. Its main job is to try to stop invasion by pathogenic microbes close to the external physical and chemical barriers of our body, namely in and around our skin and mucous membranes. Key cells belonging to the first response unit include the most common white blood cells we have in our blood, neutrophils. But it also includes a range of other white blood cells, including natural killer cells that are well adapted to wiping out pathogenic viruses before they can initiate infection proper. As you'd expect from a first response unit, it reacts almost immediately to the invasion, certainly within minutes. Another group of cells belonging to the first response unit respiratory dendritic cells are also very important. These occur in large numbers in the epithelial cells of the respiratory tract and they can inactivate viruses as well as mark them so the specialized cells from the adaptive side of our immune system, what we call the special forces unit, can wield the big guns if the infection has already taken hold within the cells in and around our airways. Step 5 body launches special forces unit. Once the body's special forces unit has been deployed against a virus for the first time, things inside our bodies move to a new level. Pattern recognition receptors sensitive to the presence of the virus start increasing the communication between the first response unit and the special forces unit via molecules called cytokines and chemokines. This process triggers a chain reaction of responses that initiates a full-blown immune response, the very thing that gives us the symptoms of the respiratory infection. Key players here are two different types of highly specialized white blood cells, the T and the B lymphocytes. These T and B cells are so specialized, they need time to build up in sufficient number in the places they're needed in the body, and they also need to learn how to respond when presented with a new invader. In this process, the all-important, previously untrained, naive T-cells turn into specialized killer cells called effector T-cells. 
But all this can't happen overnight, literally. To prepare for and mount an effective response to the invading and replicating viruses, the Special Forces Unit generally needs a few days, not just minutes or hours. The B lymphocytes also have a key job to play. Among them is the release of highly specific antibodies that are used to tag viruses and in infected cells. This tagging allows the T cells to go all out in their highly targeted attempt to wipe out the infection. It's an incredibly delicate balancing act between trying to do everything possible to quell the infection, while on the other hand also trying to minimize the amount of collateral damage to the cells and tissues of our own bodies. When someone develops severe respiratory disease in COVID-19, this is because the body has mounted a very powerful adaptive immune response. In a small number of cases, the virus will cause the special forces unit to over-respond in its desperate attempt to eliminate the infection. This can cause temporary or even long-term damage to the lung tissue and airways, and in the worst cases, even contribute to death. But let's remember, in the vast majority of cases, the immune system does its job admirably, often with very little recognition from owners or health authorities. Many of the symptoms we get, including the associated temperature and coughing, are part of this immune system response that rids most people of infection, allowing them to go on to make a full and rapid recovery. The best thing most of us can do is ensure our immune systems are as well modulated or balanced as they can be. Step six, recovery. Ideally, you want your special forces unit to do its thing in a matter of two or three days. For people who develop respiratory and related symptoms, this is when they'll feel most unwell with the characteristic persistent dry cough, headache, muscle ache, loss of energy, and a raised body temperature. But apart from trying to eliminate the invader and sometimes running the risk of causing collateral damage to the lungs and related tissues, the adaptive immune system is also crucial to getting you back on the road to recovery. Really important here are some other players that the Special Forces Unit brings in as part of the cleanup operation and to ensure future protection. This includes regulatory T cells that help dampen and normalize the adaptive immune response as well as memory T-cells that retain memory of the infection. This is one of the ways in which you can become immune to reinfection by the coronavirus, assuming it doesn't mutate significantly. If you become reinfected, it's good to know the Special Forces Unit is trained and ready for action. It's cells knowing exactly what to do to get the job done quickly and efficiently, most of the time without you even knowing about it. Right now, it's still too early in the pandemic to have a clear idea of just how long immunity will last in a person who's been infected, but it's likely to be at least several months. For the majority of people, recovery takes around a week after the respiratory symptoms of infection disappear. Some people may be left with lasting effects, among the most common being a loss of your sense of smell, a condition known medically as anosmia. If you're recovering from COVID-19, all the advice on eating a good, diverse diet made up largely of unprocessed or minimally processed whole foods coupled with ample protein and micronutrients applies, as we recommend in our Food for Health guide. Don't exercise intensively 
as this puts more stress on the body that's allocating a lot of its resources for repair. Rest as much as you can, avoid drinking alcohol and consume lots of fluids like water and herbal teas. Armed with your newfound immunity, you'll be in a better position to get back to doing what you do best, helping us to get our society back on its feet.